It's very much a message of love that I deliver, and so I just want to make sure that I'm giving with my genuine self. Hello and welcome to Holding Heritage. This is a space to explore and have honest conversations around the Asian North American experience. We'll focus on Canadian refugee stories, family, heritage, and bridging generational gaps. My name is Holly. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to another episode of Holding Heritage. This episode is produced in collaboration with the Immigrant Welcome Center's Welcoming Communities Coalition and the Comox Valley Record newspaper, which are both based in the beautiful Comox Valley on Vancouver Island. The goal of this series of interviews aims to learn more about and amplify the voices of newcomers to the Comox Valley who own businesses in the community. We chat with them about their stories, successes, and challenges starting and running their businesses in the Valley. The goal is to help dispel negative misconceptions about the impact of newcomers on the Canadian economy, to highlight diversity and underrepresented voices, and contribute to making our communities more welcoming for all. The Comox Valley Record is a popular and local news publication in the Valley, serving the community for over 35 years since 1986. The Welcoming Communities Coalition is a local immigration partnership with the goal of making our communities more welcoming to newcomers. If you'd like to learn more about them and explore their services, events, or programs, I've linked all of their information in the episode show notes that you can view, as always, at holdingheritage.com. Today's episode is the final one in this round of our Newcomer Entrepreneur Series, and I'm so excited to have the honor of featuring Thanushi Agala, Thanu for short. She is the owner of Wild Bee Florals in the Comox Valley. Head over to wildbeeflorals.com to check out Thanu's beautiful website and everything they have to offer, and you can also find her on Instagram at wildbeeflorals. Christine Salzman from the Welcoming Communities Coalition and I got to sit down with Thanu for a wonderful chat, covering everything from what it was like for her and her family immigrating to Canada from Sri Lanka, her impressive academic and personal accomplishments, and of course the journey that has led her to where she is today with Wild Bee Florals. So without further ado, let's jump right in. My name is Thanu Shiagala, Thanu for short, and I go by she, her. Uh, you came to Canada when you were nine years old. Yeah. So um, why did your family choose to leave Sri Lanka? Well, there was a civil war going on at this time. It was 1999 when we came over, like right before Halloween, because I remember my parents were uh, making Halloween costumes in Sri Lanka. We live close to Colombo, so pretty city. Colombo is the capital city of Sri Lanka. The news family left in the midst of the country's decades-long civil war. It was herself, her younger sister, and parents who immigrated to Canada together. My cousins had moved here before, so they were like telling us like what to, you know, be prepared for. So yeah, I think they applied for permanent residency and then got it and then headed over here and I was just so stoked to see snow. <laughs> yeah, so we moved to Ontario. Thanu was nine years old at the time she immigrated, and we chatted about some of her memories growing up in Ontario. First memories, well, our elementary school was just around the corner. It had like a snack program, which was uh, very interesting because I think there was a lot of low-income families in that neighborhood too. Like it's like one of the starting points for maybe a lot of different immigrants as well in like close to Scarborough. And I thought like snack time was really cool, like as a school thing to be a part of. I think my parents also prioritized 
in the summer, during summer breaks after school, to go and explore different things that Ontario had to offer, like Ontario Place or going to some of the gardens. And so every weekend during the summer, we had something fun to look forward to, to, I guess, learn about Canada. How did school differ from what schooling was like in Sri Lanka? Well, I went to a Buddhist girls' school, and it was very Hogwartsy-like in terms of, uh, you know, everyone had their badges, they wore their uniforms. I felt that growing up with my parents in Canada versus growing up with my parents in Sri Lanka, their focus on my sister and I being educated was really intense. So that wasn't necessarily different in terms of workload, but Teachers in Sri Lanka could discipline kids, so that was a thing. Uh, Do you have memories of how the Civil War impacted your family or your day-to-day life? Oh yeah, like it wasn't uncommon to hear about, oh yeah, there was a bombing here. Or even as a kid, seeing like images of blown up body parts in like the newspaper articles or just someone talking about it on TV as just like, this is happening. And so it was very much part of the dialogue all the time. But I don't remember really being scared either. It was just like part of your lifestyle. And, you know, we had lots of family and friends that we hung out with. So it's, it's just like you hear about it, you know it's there. And like in terms of how it impacted, like my mom, her workplace, which was the central bank of Ceylon, got bombed twice. Um, wow. Yeah, there's a lot that is unsafe there. But it has also come a long way now. So I'm like pretty proud of how far it's come and there's a lot of work to be like there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of like equality and things like that but I'm happy to see the progress. Did anyone stay behind? Yeah my grandparents stayed behind, a bunch of my dad's cousins stayed behind so we have a lot of family there like I wouldn't say that I have many friends there but I have a lot of family there. We asked the new about what her parents' careers were in Sri Lanka and a little bit about what the transition was like for them immigrating to Canada. I think my dad, he worked for some um, postal admin type company. I think he had some managerial position and my mom also had worked for the National Bank for a while. And so when they moved to Canada, their approach was to go to job agencies It was crazy to listen to my mom once talk about how, as a new immigrant, like learn how to take the bus and then the TTC and then the bus again and like spend so much time figuring this all out. Yeah, eventually my mom found another job at working for TD Bank. And my dad also had a like a managerial position like in warehouse management. Did they speak English already? They did, but they have accents. And definitely one one thing that I wanted to talk about was when my dad had to interview, he definitely had to shave his beard. I think it's like low-key humor uh, amongst the Sri Lankan community maybe to just shave it off so that they're not mistaken as a terrorist, which sounds really intense, but you know, there are ways that I think people handle situations like that too. So, so he knew from friends' experiences that that is a... It was a good idea to shave his beard off. For sh- yeah, for sure. Yeah. Have there, did they have other experiences like that settling in Canada, in uh, Ontario? No, I think you kind of just know that racism is a thing. So you're just trying to do as much as you can to assimilate. We asked her if she had also felt pressure to assimilate as a young child entering Canadian culture and what some of her personal experiences were around that. For sure. Yeah. You know, in Ontario, I felt like 
it was very Asian. There's Chinese folks, um, Japanese, Korean, Indian, Pakistani, like Sri Lankan. It was just like a whole mixed bag of folks from all around the world. And I would say like things that I would focus on would be like how I dress, you know, what you see on TV is like what you want to mimic, which I think is natural as a kid anyways. Like one thing that I was very hyper-focused on was my lunches going to school, which I think is probably a, a common thing with a lot of kids. So I would be conscious about how my jacket smelled if my mom was making like cultural food. So I would be like hyper-vigilant about stuffing my jacket so like the curry smells wouldn't filter in. I, I think the lunch thing though, it sort of shifted in high school. In high school, I felt like the friends that I had were actually very keen about what I was eating because it tasted better than cafeteria food. Better so. than a Lunchable. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you were young, were there things that you missed about home or are there things that you still miss now? Well, I definitely miss the nature. Yeah, I want to say nature in terms of just the amount of reptiles and fruit that was available. And, you know, I think sometimes when you're around people that are of your culture, you just have a certain understanding of just your place in the world or like how you came to be. And so I think when I'm with, let's say, someone else that's Sri Lankan, there's like an immediate understanding. I love that Thanu brought that last point up about feeling that sort of intangible level of understanding or comfort in the presence of those who share your culture. It's definitely something that I and I'm sure many of you listening can probably relate to and resonate with. Another thing that I really admire about Thanu and her story is how connected she and her family have stayed to their Sri Lankan roots. Even as of today, her parents have moved back and continue to be an inspiration to her and her sister. She herself has also taken recent trips back to explore and further her agricultural knowledge by learning from local farmers in Sri Lanka. My parents have made sure that my sister and I went back at least, you know, every couple years. So I've been to Sri Lanka right before the pandemic started, you know, like that 2019-2020 winter before March Mm. came along. And then... I was there at the end of this year, too, in November. In the vlog, it said you went to visit your parents. Did they move back? Yeah, so they retired back. In 2016 was when my dad went there a year earlier. So what they did was they sold their home in Ontario and then bought a piece of land in Sigiriya, uh, which is like central Sri Lanka. And they were trying to figure out what to do with that property and ended up building an eco-resort type thing. So like there's four little chalets and a little tree house and my parents live on the property. That's so cool. It is very cool. Like I am so honestly so inspired by them and what they've accomplished. Um, And so when you went back, you prioritized visiting farmers in different regions. Why did you decide to do that? I was so curious because, you know, when you go back, often we do go to Nuerelia, which is where um, there's a lot of tea plantations and Sigiriya, that area has a lot of paddy fields and fruit, but I just wanted to see the difference. And I didn't have an agricultural perspective before really starting my business. And it was really nice to go back with that new lens and see Sri Lanka in such a different light. There's just so much that goes on there. And it's really nice to see how farmers work together with their community to like provide food and and like the market stands are always like amazing you know so yeah what are some of the things that you learned that you've brought back to apply to your own business i think the idea of giving 
is pretty big there. So, you know, regardless of economic status of someone, if you visit their house, this is something that my mom like repeats over and over again to us too, to instill in us. Even if they may not have food to have for themselves, they'll make sure that you're fed. So it's very much you first. And with the business, you know, you have to make sure that your clients are happy. And so like, what are ways that you can create genuine connections with the folks that are supporting you? Because the stuff that I'm doing, it's very much reliant on making sure people are happy, right? Like I, I am in the floral industry. So it's very much a message of love that I deliver. And so I just want to make sure that I'm giving with my genuine self. With such a thoughtful and sincere approach to pouring her all into Wild Bee Florals and the message and experience that it provides to her customers, there's no wonder why she's been able to sustain and grow such an incredible brand. We began to dive into Thanu's journey to working with flowers and how Wild Bee Florals really even became a possibility for her. Like many successful entrepreneurs, flowers for Thanu began just as a hobby that she loved and enjoyed. Before flowers were a full-time project for her, Thanu was working incredibly hard in her academic studies. She completed her undergraduate degree in zoology, followed by two graduate programs. What did you do your graduate studies in? I did my graduate studies in evolutionary biology at the University of Guelph, and then I also did a graduate program in museum education at UBC. Museums in the sense that it's like informal learning spaces. So in gardens and science centers, wherever. That's an informal, non-school, traditional. I started growing flowers back in Ontario when I was working on my master's thesis. So we had a plot in our backyard and it was something that I wanted to focus on aside from just computer work. When I started doing it, you know, three years in, I like really caught the bug. Like I like learned how to grow zinnias really well and like dahlias really well. And so I carried those gardens with me to BC. And eventually what led me back to flowers was burnout. So I burned out working for a nonprofit and doing another graduate program part time. And so in order to not have all these high expectations and crazy goals for myself every year, like I've been trained to do, I just had a goal that I spend more time with flowers because they just like made me happy that year and be more creative, like practice art. So I don't know, just putting the intention out there, it just like kickstarted stuff. So I ended up getting another job and then I was experimenting, you know, one and a half days a week growing flowers in urban spaces. And then in 2020, I lost my job. And then I was like, well, you know what? I enjoy flowers, so why not? Let's just do it. And it just like picked up momentum and I felt really supported too. It was just through like the idea, why not? You can fail at anything. So like, why not try to, you know, not try to fail, but like, <laughs> why not follow your dreams kind of and then see where it goes. So then when you decided to make that shift during 2020 after losing the job and deciding to focus on flowers, why the valley then? Why did you choose to come to the valley? Vancouver was unaffordable. Yeah, when I lost my job, I decided to visit one of my friends who, she lives in Courtney too, and she was like, you know, I wish you can live here, like let, let's show you around, I want to make sure that you move out here. And we went to the farmer's market, and I think it was going to the farmer's market and eating this chocolate almond croissant 
that just, you know, sealed the deal for me. I just felt so welcomed by everyone that I had a conversation with. It was very different where Aaron and I made sure to visit different parts of BC after we moved to Vancouver. We knew that we couldn't live in Vancouver just in terms of setting roots, you know? And so with that intention, whenever we came here, we just noticed right away the difference in how people welcomed you. So it was nice. After Thanu and her partner Aaron made the move to the valley, she found the community not only incredibly supportive and welcoming, but full of opportunities for wonderful collaborations. There are so many ways that I've felt supported by the community. For example, across the street from me right now is Salinas, who owns Blue Tuke, and she, you know, was so excited that I was going to be flower farming that she made an effort to take me around and introduce me to some of the folks that she knew in the valley. So, which I thought was like, wow, that's such an amazing thing to do. And then uh, Chewy Creative is Katrina's branding and marketing company. And, who did your website. Yeah, who did my website. And, you know, her and Melanie, they had this program that they offered for a BIPOC member of the community to like take some photos and like help them with their branding and website. And so I was so lucky to connect with them that way. It was so lovely working with her and I really love what she created. And lots of collaborations with photographers where they get beautiful images and I get photos that I can use to promote. Like one really fun collaboration in that sense was Moss Gray, Destin. She invited me to wear some of her like linen outfits and um, then Jocelyn Kilborn came in like took some photos so that was really cute. In Vancouver I worked with the uh, cake makers and so I reached out to Flower Child Vegan Bakery too and so I provided her with flowers to like use on her cake so there's all these like random collaborations that come into play and even the site that I'm growing at so I'm growing at two different sites just like down the road from each other. So Will and Victoria, they live um, on Stapley Road as well. And like, I, I wish I could put into words how amazing they are as community members because, you know, they let us farm on their property and they've just provided us so much comfort and uh, feedback. And it's just been so wonderful um, having them in the community. What do you love about it so far? About growing flowers? Yeah, the transition to this business. Honestly, trying new flowers, like every time like a new floral crop blooms, I get so stoked. And it's funny because like today I woke up with a lot of anxiety about plant diseases of all things, you know, just like, oh my God, what if botrytis like gets into all my seedlings in the germination chamber? Like just random things would come in and out. But Do you know more about the things that can go wrong because of your educational background? Yes, to a certain extent, but it's also like trial and error and like constant research. Like I'm, I feel like I'm working nonstop, which I actually need to catch myself because I need to set boundaries. Um, I think farming is really intense in the way that you never finish everything. What are some new flowers you're trying right now? So uh, I'm growing Alstroemeria from seed for the first time. You know, Eryngium, which is really nice in dried bouquets as well and just different colors of things too. You grow a certain color and then 
you trial all these other colors and like different forms of it. And, you know, I'm trialing different start dates. And this year, like growing in a greenhouse is going to be somewhat of a game changer. But also that's where like that, you know, anxiety about plant diseases can come in is like when it's also closed off and not ventilated, there's other things happening. So I, I feel like I get really excited for like new crops and like new places to grow them. But at the same time, there's a bit of like risk analyzing it because you can do soil tests, but until you do it, you don't know what is going to happen. We asked the new about what she hopes to see in the future of this community for herself and other people who may decide to settle and put down roots to explore and grow in the valley too. Well, I really wish that even 20 years down the line, like if someone new came in, they're greeted the same way that Aaron and I were when we first got here. Because, you know, I think sometimes there's a worry about, or maybe a scare when things change and new folks come in. So I will make sure that I put the effort in to make sure other people are feeling welcome. Yeah, I just hope that it's the welcoming space that it was for me, for other folks. We also asked what sort of advice or personal insight she has for other aspiring entrepreneurs or passionate people who are perhaps longing to pursue something they love and enjoy in the same sort of ways that she pursued flowers and farming. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think you have to really figure out who you are. And, you know, that's like a constant thing, but like really paying attention to what makes you feel alive and empowers you. And, you know, you don't have to keep pushing something that's like not working. So if you're finding that there's something that you want to explore, do it because like, why not? And there we have it, Christina and I's wonderful chat with Thanu from Wild Bee Florals. Having the opportunity to meet and talk with Thanu was incredibly inspiring in many ways. She has this gentle yet electric energy about her that is infectious when she's sharing about her passion and love for her current explorations. Her story and experiences, they encourage learning, trying, connecting, and putting yourself out there. I hope that hearing some of the news story can spark even just a little bit of courage within yourself to simply spend more time with whatever it is that makes you happy and just see where it leads you. Make sure to check out wildbeeflorals.com and keep up with all the amazing things she's doing on Instagram at wildbeeflorals. Thank you so much for listening today and thank you to the Welcoming Communities Coalition and the Comox Valley Record for partnering with me for this awesome series. As always, you can head to holdingheritage.com to take a look at today's episode show notes and I will meet you back here again very, very soon. Bye! Intro and outro music by Blue Wednesday. Be sure to check him out. He's amazing. And as always, Holding Heritage is proudly created, produced, and geographically based on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded lands of the Tsleil-Waututh and Comox nations of the Coast Salish peoples. <laughs>